We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Pacer fans, welcome back to another episode here of Setting the Pace on PacersTalk.net. I'm your host for tonight's show, Alex Golden, and joining me, not as always, because Mike Flachie will actually be in New York uh, at this time, and I'm sure he's watching a Knicks-Wizards game or something like that, but joining me right now is a good friend of mine. I think we've been friends for like the past 15 years. A really long time. Yeah. A really long time. <laughs> right. Yeah, this, this is my friend David Cole. He was in my wedding, and uh, he's a huge Pacer fan and yes, also sir. a huge Star Wars fan. Yes, sir. <laughs> so uh, we'll be talking a little bit of Pacers basketball and Star Wars, but actually, just to start things off, uh, you just recently watched the new Star Wars, and everybody keeps kind of like crapping on it uh, on social media everywhere I look, but what are your thoughts on the new Star Wars movie? I'm going to uh, go against the grain with all the social media backlash. I, I, I loved it. I've only seen it one time so far, but I don't get it. I don't get all the hate. Uh, Star Wars fans, you know, go enjoy the movie. It's fun. It's awesome. It's a lot of fun. So, I mean, not to, like, spoil anything, but, no. like, uh, what would you say, like, compared to other movies, where does this rank? For me, it's my favorite of the new sequels. I liked it better than The Force Awakens, better than The Last Jedi. Uh, but it's not like it's miles above miles, like Miles Turner. Uh, no, it's not miles above those, but it is better. To me, it's funnier, and it has a lot more action and good, well-done action. It's just really exciting. It's a good uh, summation of the entire nine-movie saga as well as this trilogy. 
Well, yeah, and the thing is, like, David is such a fan of Star Wars, like, <laughs> he's literally going to watch this movie again uh, tonight, tonight with his sister and brother-in-law, so, I'm, you know... Uh, I'm wearing Star Wars socks right now, so... <laughs> so, you know, I think that, uh, speaking of Miles Turner, I think he's a pretty big Star Wars fan himself, so... Yeah. Definitely. Uh, that, that's probably why that's one of David's favorite players as yeah. well, just because of the love <laughs> of Star Wars. But uh, on today's episode, uh, we decided we're going to do a Pacers Christmas wish list. So that's a lot of S's there, and I know I probably slurred a little bit there, but um, a lot of S's there. But there's a lot of optimis, uh, optimism about this team, and I think we're all excited to, to see what can happen. But uh, David, since you're our guest for today's show, uh, we're going to do our top five. So David, number five for our uh, a list, our Christmas wish list. Our number five, we talked about uh, five different things we wanted to see for this season, and the Pacers' overall win total combined with uh, a home court advantage for round one of the playoffs is what we wanted to talk about. And I have an exact number of wins. Okay, what's, for your, me. what's your number? My number if it, wish list, right? So this is what I would hope. It, you know, it might be a little high, I don't know. But I have 53 wins okay. just so we can not have 30 losses. <laughs> yeah. My first thought was, let's just do 50, nice round numbers. Like, no, no, let's have 53 so we don't hit 30 losses. And that is the most wins we've had since 2013, which would be high. But I think this is the most talented team we've had since then. Right, so. right. Yeah, and I think one of the biggest problems, you know, trying to reach 50 wins is tough for any team. But we're already at 20. Yeah. Uh, we're 20 and 9 right now as we speak. We're recording this before the Milwaukee Bucks game, which is tonight. So, yeah. uh, we, I might do a little bit of a recap of that before this gets uploaded, but, uh, we're recording this before then around 4.20 on Sunday afternoon. But that's the thing, you know, 20 wins right now. I'm not sure what they're on pace. I, I don't ever really pay attention to what the pace yeah, is, I'm but, not positive. uh, that's one third of the season so far and they've already got 20 wins. So, if on pace, technically, they could be like somewhere in the 50s. 50, 55, 60 range. And I think that's going to be really tough, especially once Oladipo comes back, because it's just going to be another wrinkle that gets thrown into the mix, and it's going to be difficult for him to, you know, just come in seamlessly and everything just to flow the same way. I mean, if it does, that's awesome, but I just don't see that happening. I think it's going to be a little bit of a struggle for the guys to kind of get used to one another, get acclimated with one another. So I, I think 52 would be my. Uh, favorite just because 52 and 30 sounds like yeah, a good record. Great. <laughs> and, and, you know, I'm not sure what the Pacers are going to do because there's a lot of bad teams yeah. in the NBA this year. I mean, I think there's the last I checked, there was like 13 or 14 teams with a winning record and there was more losing record teams than winning record teams. Yeah. So that, that's just something I'm like, the league is just bad because there's just mm-hmm. so many losing record teams. Like what's up with that? It's just, you look at the top of the East, the top six, I mean, Two through five change pretty, or two through six yeah. change pretty much every night just yeah. because the records are so close. So, you know, reaching 52, 53 wins, I don't think that's too much to ask. Mm-hmm. I just, all I want to see is the Pacers have that home court advantage because being the underdog to start the playoffs out, that's a tough, you know, pill to swallow, especially when you're playing a team like Miami, Boston, Philadelphia, probably mm-hmm. one of the teams that are going to be in that position. Especially given as, as Pacers fans, for the last, you know, 20, 30 years, most of us, or more for some of us, uh, we're accustomed to the Pacers being in the playoffs. We're accustomed to the Pacers uh, getting out of the first round. But recently, it's been a struggle. I mean, it's been four seasons of first round outs. Yeah. And the season before that, we didn't make the playoffs. Right. So, you know, recently, it's, you know, been a struggle. So if we can just get through the first round, I think it'll be like a getting a, a load off our backs as fans and as the players of the team. Absolutely. And, you know, I think the, the guys just need to see them. This core, I mean, they really just need to get that first playoff victory, uh, series victory, because it's only going to help their confidence. Like, yeah, they can have great seasons, but if they don't perform well in the playoffs, you know, yes, they took LeBron and the Cavaliers to seven games, and 
Yes, there was that controversial goaltend that was not called. <laughs> but, I mean, you think about it, even when Paul George, his last year here, took the Raptors to seven games as a yeah. seven seed, you know, the Pacers really just have to figure things out. And I think the additions that they've made this summer with Malcolm Brogdon, T.J. McConnell, Justin Holliday, Jeremy Lamb, and T.J. Warren, those type of players are going to help this team yeah, take the definitely. next step because the biggest problem we saw with the Pacers in the playoffs the last couple of years is just there's a lot of glaring holes on offense. Oh, he can't shoot. Oh, he's not a good driver. Oh, he's too small defensively, Darren Collison, you know, yeah, yeah. that kind of thing. But that's where I think, yeah, Brogdon, you can score and defend. Yeah. Jeremy Lamb, same thing. TJ Warren, same thing. Same you know, thing. just six core guys that can score yeah. and defend, and that's what you need. So, uh, anyway, let's move on to number four, and that is that Demontis Sabonis and Miles Turner – the pairing actually continues to grow and work. I mean, yeah. I, I, I mentioned David loves Miles Turner. <laughs> I love Sabonis. Everybody knows that. And honestly, like recently, like there's been a lot of trade speculation about Miles Turner. What should the Pacers want in return? And right now, I'm just like, most of these deals don't make sense to Not me. Not at all. Yeah. And I understand people are like, why is everybody like want Robert Covington on the Pacers? That <laughs> kind of thing. I like Covington. I think he's a good basketball player. I think you actually probably would fit better next to Miles yeah. in the starting lineup just because defensively, but I don't want to get rid of Sabonis, obviously. So no, not at all. I, I just think right now there's no reason to make any trades, and I think these two guys like playing with one another, and I think there's a possibility that if McMillan continues to stagger their minutes the way he has been, for the minutes they play together, they can be effective. Yeah. And I don't think we really even know at this point what their potential is. Uh, we started off the season, and it looked really bad. You have to admit that. But really, a lot of other components of the team's chemistry looked bad early mm-hmm. on in the year. I mean, we lost to the Pistons, what, two or three times? Like, We've already lost them three like, out of the four times. Like, that was, yeah, that was, ugh, that's <laughs> awful. <laughs> but, you know, so many many fans were speculating trades. And even I, I love, I love Miles Turner. Sabonis, I like even more. Uh, so you're a bigger Sabonis fan? I am. I, okay. I also just like, I feel like Miles gets all kinds of hate, and a lot of it comes from the fact that um, he has, and the fans have, set up too high of expectations for him um, as a player. To me, I see him as, like, a, uh, not, not as good as, but very similar to um, Draymond Green in terms of uh, he kind of does a little bit of everything. Right, right. Now, Green, Green at his height was better. Right. But, and Miles is not the same player, essentially, but in terms of, like, they can both do a little of everything, that's kind of what I saw from him. Not some kind of a superstar player, just a guy that can do a lot of everything. Well, look at Draymond now without the guys around him. Yeah. I mean, the team's not very good. Not very good. But when they're with him, I think it makes a difference, and I think that you see that from Miles with his shot-blocking ability, ability to shoot the three, just a guy that you can really play with anybody, because he's that type of player. I mean, he would yeah. fit any team. And we've and we've thought thought about and talked about how uh, recently, the Miles and Savonis pairing has been working. Uh, we have five-game winning streak. All five of those games, the both of them have had 11 or more points. Um, and you know, it could be a coincidence that we've just won five games in a row. We've had some weaker teams, but we've had the Celtics and we had uh, the Lakers. The Lakers. We yeah. had you know some big big dogs in there. We beat them, and they both played well together. And so it could be a coincidence, but it could not be. And if it's not, then I wanted to see that grow. Right, and I think what's kind of funny is I was at the game on Friday night against the Kings and. You know, they just really, like, they just did not seem like they were locked in defensively. No. Uh, Miles even mentioned that in the interview. But one of the things that was shocking to me was I was like, man, Miles is having a really good third quarter. Mm-hmm. McMillan never brought him back into the yeah. fourth. It was kind of shocking to me. I mean, Sabonis ended up playing 35 minutes in that blowout win. And, and then even brought Brogdon back in for a little bit there in the fourth. While Turner only played 24 minutes. Yeah. And he was the best of those two that night for, for sure. I yeah. mean. 
Uh, a lot of the uh, one thing I noticed with the Kings is they were so focused on that Malcolm Brogdon Sabonis pick and roll <laughs> that it was opening up shots for other guys. And I think if you continue to have just different wrinkles, I mean, if you're so worried about Sabonis and yeah. Brogdon getting to the basket, you're going to have open shots for Warren. Yeah. Eventually, Oladipo, yeah. and you know, if Oladipo is running the pick and roll, Brogdon will have open threes. Turner's got to make his. You know, I think um, one of our callers called in and was like, "Yeah, I really like that Turner's getting more attempts." Yeah, so, you definitely. know, from the three-point line, shooting the ball more. Mm-hmm. I, I just think that if he's aggressive offensively, it's only going to make it easier for everybody on the court. So those those two together are really just – they need to continue to gel their chemistry and feed off each other. Yeah, and I think that's what a, a lot of us Pacer fans love about this team and, and our teams recently over the last decade even is that we're not one-player teams. Right. I mean, especially this year, it's even more evident. I mean, we have five, six, seven players every night that will have – 10 plus points mm-hmm. that's just super cool like we just play straight up team basketball yeah and the double i think it's funny because i can't even count but i think it's probably at least 10 or 15 games that we've had five or six players in double digit scoring yeah. i mean it's just crazy i mean you never see that tj mcconnell comes in off the bench he'll just oh, yeah the, the second unit honestly is more fun to watch in the first unit at times i mean <laughs> mcconnell's yeah. flying all over the place aaron holiday justin holiday mcdermott sabonis like that that five that's right so there cool. It's fun to watch because yeah. they're just always moving. And one of the things, like, people say, oh, Sabonis isn't a good defender. I think Sabonis is a pretty good defender when he's guarding fives. And I think that's yeah, one of the yeah. reasons McMillan's gone with that rotation where he subs in Justin Holiday at the six-minute mark for Sabonis. And then Sabonis comes in with about two minutes left in the first quarter and third quarter for Miles Turner to get him a break. And then, obviously, Turner will come back in in the second for Sabonis. So they're not playing a ton together, maybe no. 12, 15, maybe 18 minutes if they're really playing well together. But against the Lakers down in crunch time, yeah. LeBron and or, yeah. Uh, not LeBron, but Miles and uh, Sabonis <laughs> were out there, and I was thinking of how Turner guarded LeBron. Yeah, I mean, I mean Sabonis couldn't do that, no offense. No, no, he couldn't. Yeah. And, and that's the thing. I just think Miles is so gifted defensively. These two can work together, but we're just going to have to see – uh, against more powerhouse teams. I mean, this week coming up is a huge yeah. test for the Pacers. I'm a little disappointed we won't get to see uh, Pascal Siakam and Marcus Saul with the Raptors on Definitely. Monday, but uh, Bam Adebayo and My- mm-hmm. Myers Leonard, I mean, they've been playing well together. I know Myers is not on the same level as Bam, obviously, no. but Bam has been an all-star level player. Yeah. And then you've got uh, the 76ers coming in town Christmas or uh, New Year's Eve. So, uh, once again, Joel Embiid, a handful for the Pacers over the past couple of years. Pacers has got to figure out, these two guys have to figure out how to defend him, what they're going to do. But Definitely. anyway, let's move on to number three. Number three is we want two All-Stars. Yeah. I mean, that, that's, not? Not, that's not asking too much. I no. mean, uh, everybody else is like, oh, the Raptors should have two. Well, who's their second besides Siakam? Yeah. I mean, do you even know anybody? I mean, Kyle Lowry's <laughs> been so bad this year. Yeah. Um, I, I would say the second best player, maybe Fred Van Vliet. Yeah, I mean, Lowry might get on get in on reputation alone, but he yeah. hasn't played that way this year. And, and then the thing is, like, well, let me ask you this, David, because when you're thinking about All-Stars, do you yeah. think that having a winning record should matter? For All-Stars, I mean, having an overall, you mean, you mean like above 500? Well, I'm saying, like, okay, for example, like, Trey Young is, like, fourth in scoring. The Hawks oh, okay. are, like, 6-20, and 20, something like They're just yeah. garbage, right? But Trey Young is putting up huge numbers, huge averaging, numbers. like, 27 points a game. Do you think, like... You know, keeping it from the All Star game because his team is bad is is fair, or do you think that you should just vote on individual talent for the All uh, All Star game? No, I mean and that's probably a, a more extreme case because he has incredible numbers. But right. for his case, especially, I think you got to let him in. Like he's playing ridiculous, right. and just because his team is awful <laughs> doesn't really 
Meaning yeah. he is not an all-star player himself. Yeah. Well, and I think, and I think that same thing can be made for Bradley Beal. He's been putting yeah, up ridiculous definitely. numbers for the Wizards. So you got guys like that. Another guy that'll probably get voted in that shouldn't really make it is Kyrie Irving. Yeah. So I mean, I'm looking at guards here. I mean, that's three guards that could really get in the way of Brogdon. Uh, yeah. With uh, the addition of the guards that are probably going to make it already. I mean, you got Kimball Walker, uh, Jalen Brown uh, has a good chance of making yeah, it. Jason definitely. Tatum, those wings. I'm trying Tatum. to think. I'm sure I'm missing Jimmy Butler's another guard. Yeah. He could be considered a forward. So um, there's a lot of players that are going to be, you know, up for grabs here, I guess you could say, as far as making the team. And, uh, you know, Ben Simmons is another one that's a question mark because. Yeah. <laughs> but he made it last year. That's yes. a reputation thing. Yeah, exactly, know? which doesn't be crazy. But, that, but that's kind of why they do the fan vote with the yeah. coaches vote. And then the coaches vote in the reserves, I think. So it's actually, I think it's players and fans decide who makes it for the starting. And then the coaches pick the reserves. So, yeah. um, But in all likelihood, I mean, I don't think, honestly, that they'll probably get two. I think they'll only probably get one. But I'd love to see two. Yeah. And I think if they continue to keep playing the way they are, if they take care of business this upcoming week and – the next week against some of these better teams, I think there's a strong case for Sabonis and Brock. Yeah, I mean, I, took, I I did some digging just because of the fact that on Pacers Twitter, you know, we're all massive fans, and I don't really care about uh, other NBA teams' Twitter like fan pages. <laughs> I just get all all in on these Pacers right. Twitter accounts. I love it, and so I, you know, I'm seeing all this people that you know we all want to see Brogdon and Sabonis in the All Star game, and I think that statistically. Uh, on the surface, you could say they should both be able to make it, um, but once you start uh, narrowing down, you know, what guards make it, what forwards make it, it does get a little more crowded. Um, and I saw somewhere, and I don't know where it was at, that they, people thought that Brogdon would make it and Sabonis might not. And I think that's like kind of kind of crazy, just because of the fact that Sabonis is averaging a double double. Right. Uh, he's had twenty three double doubles, and he's at a twenty seven game. He hasn't even played every game. Right. It's only four games where he didn't have a double double, and he's averaging. Basically, eighteen points, four assists, and thirteen rebounds, which is, I think, they're all career highs. Yeah, Brogdon's at eighteen point seven, seven and a half assists, four and a half boards. They're, those are all career highs. Right, right. And six double doubles. So, I mean, the stat wise, I think I feel like Sabonis is the one that should get in, and I would love to see them both get in. Yeah, I think though, if you look at this Pacers team, and I think people that really watch it, you can tell. That Brogdon is more of the leader of this team. Oh yeah, and I and I think that might be what gets him the edge over Sabonis because guards tend to be more of the All Star player that yeah. people want to see as well. Uh, even though Brogdon is kind of a boring player in a sense, you know what I mean? Like yeah. he's not he's not, a high he's not flashy. He's not flashy. He just you know take his lunch pail to work and get busy. I mean that's what he does. Sabonis mm-hmm. is the same way, you know. Yeah. And I think where Sabonis might get a little bit of grief is, oh, he's playing a lot of minutes against second units. He's padding his stats. I think some people might make okay. that argument, you know what I mean? Yeah. Not that it's a fair argument, but I think yeah. that some might because of how the substitutions have been going in and out. And, you know, there's more elite guards in the NBA than there are bigs. So, you know, who is Brogdon defending defensive-wise? You know, you yeah. got to look at all that, too. Um, honestly, I've actually – I feel like I agree with most people when they say they'd rather have Brogdon – over Sabonis for this because yeah. I just feel like it is a guard-heavy league. Yeah. And we are very focused on that. You know, Sabonis deserves to make it. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. But if you start looking at bigs, I mean, it's tough. I mean, uh, Andre Drummond, another guy that's killed yeah. the Pacers. He leads the league <laughs> in Lord. rebounding. But 
I don't really think he's a player that makes his team better. I, I know that sounds dumb. I just don't think he's a winning. <laughs> I don't think he's a winning player in my yeah. opinion. I mean, the Pistons have been trash with him. They can't really build around him. He's just yeah. he is what he is. And is he worth a max contract this summer? Probably not. Yeah, probably not. You know, and I think I'd rather have Sabonis than Drummond. But you know, there's some cases that might say, oh, I'd rather have Drummond than Sabonis. You know, so I, I think like with Bam Adebayo, the way he's been playing, I yeah. Mean, I I know that we've kind of had our little Twitter beefs. I know. with I love it uh, with uh, the quotations. Chuck, Chuck, yeah, yeah I love it. it. Chuck also hated it. the Star Wars, by the way. So of course he did. Yeah, it's, just, <laughs> it's Chuck, man. I mean, what Come do you on, expect? Chuck. Who, who Come names on, Chuck. it? Come on, Chuckles. You know. <laughs> but anyway, uh, anyway, I you know it's Siakam has a good case. Obviously, yes. oh, yeah, he's injured, but he's going to make it. He's putting up like twenty plus points yeah. a game. Um, I'm trying to think. Blake Griffin, obviously, he's uh, a name, not someone I think deserves to make it because of the injuries and that kind of stuff. But at at the end of the day, Sabonis and Brogdon are both deserving. I want both of them to make it. I think that's not too unrealistic of a wish. I mean, that's no. That's the point of the list is that this is our wish list, right? right. So like, we're kind of t- trying not to be super unrealistic, but you know, push the boundaries a little bit of what's expected and what's right. likely just push it a little bit forward yeah expectations should be for one and uh, if we get to yes definitely we should expect one yeah if we get two then we're gonna That's be awesome yeah. but I, I mean i recently put out a list of like 13 i think it was 13 players i put out i i picked two bucks two miami heat two pacers uh two 76ers one toronto raptor yeah. uh and siakam i picked bradley beal and i forget who my other one was i can't remember but I ended up having third. Oh, I picked three Celtics players. That's what okay. it was. Yeah, well, I gave them Brown, Tatum, and Kemba because okay. I just feel yeah, like Kemba's it's been... Kemba's the number one for the Celtics right now. Yeah, for sure. It's between Tatum and Brown, and it's what you like better. I mean, Tatum's probably got the bigger name, but I think Brown's been better overall this year from what yeah. I've seen. Yeah. So uh, I kind of just put all three of them in there, and then I left out like Kyrie Irving, uh, uh, not Brad. I think I had Bradley Beal in there, but I didn't have Trey Young. So it's like those guys are probably going to make it. Yeah. These are just what I think should be because I re- I do uh, think that winning should matter. I think it should matter, but I, not as extremely as no. I do. But I just feel like if you got two guys, like you look at the Bucks, okay, Chris Middleton, okay, he's obviously not better than Trey Young or Bradley Beal or any of no. these guys, right? But if the Bucks only have like eight or nine losses going into the All-Star break. How do you only put Giannis on there? Yeah, like You have to give him props. Right. I mean, it's like when uh, I think four Atlanta Hawks players won Player of the Month or something like that. Yeah. Like the whole starting five won Player of the Month a couple years ago and they won like 60-some games. It's like, I don't I don't know how to figure this one out, but there's a lot of good candidates. Let's move on. We've been spending way too much time on this stupid All-Star conversation, but we're 20 minutes in, David. I'll let you do number two. This is sure. a big one. Number two. We decided for number two to put our playoff predictions or wish list, like where we wanted the Pacers to finish in the playoffs. And because it's a wish list, we're talking about what we expect, what we hope, we want to make the Eastern Conference Finals. Boom, let's do it. Let's do it. I mean, I guess if it's a wish list, we could say the NBA yeah, Finals. Yeah, win the whole thing. <laughs> right. But a realistic, but not over-the-top realistic, yeah, you know. Keep it in the middle. We, we, we think that the Pacers have enough talent to get to the Eastern Conference Finals. And honestly, like... We played the Bucks earlier this year, and we got killed, but we didn't have Brogdon. We didn't have Jeremy Lamb. We had been playing. We played the Rockets the night before. Toughest yeah. back-to-back you're probably going to ever see ridiculous. in the NBA for anybody. But the Pacers have played a lot of cupcake teams as well. So That's true. it's uh, just kind of the price you pay when you have that schedule. But in all honesty, I mean, you're looking at this team, and you think, well, the Bucks probably 
are a great regular season team, but have they really proven it in the playoffs yet? I guess you could say they kind of have, but I didn't really think they played a tough, tough schedule last year coming into the playoffs. No. They played the Pistons. I think they swept them. Yeah. And then they played the Celtics, who the Pacers got swept by, but the Celtics beat them in game one and then lost four in a row. yeah. So, you know, they pretty much went eight and one in the first two rounds, and then they played the Raptors. Yeah. And they honestly could have beat the Raptors if game three goes a little bit differently. Mm-hmm. So, you know what I mean? Like, it's it's tough to say. But Eric Bledsoe was atrocious last year. Malcolm Brogdon was the second-best player on Milwaukee. Mm-hmm. Now he's on the Pacers. <laughs> uh, Philadelphia has a bunch of issues right now. Oh, yeah. I don't trust their shooting. No. Um, Toronto, they're kind of a wild-card team because I think they could make some trades. Maybe yeah. a trade for Drew Holiday, something like that, just to try to bolster their roster. They're, they're very young. And we saw what they could do last year. Yeah. Now, they won't have Kawhi and Danny Green. Huge for sure. players for them. Yeah. But they still have you know, a healthy OG and an OB, hopefully, for yeah. them. Uh, Van Bleed was awesome last year in the finals. Same with Pascal Siakam. What will they look like? We don't know. But they're pretty much you know one of those teams that i got to see it in the playoffs before I believe it. Um, same thing with Miami. They, yeah. You know, Miami's got Jimmy Butler and Bam Adebayo, but... You know, Duncan Robinson, Tyler Hero, these type of players, Justice Winslow, these are guys you don't expect to be, like, <laughs> you know, like... Leading your team in the playoffs. Right, you know, these are guys that are good role players, but Miami's found a thing that works for them, and credit to them because they're playing great, but will that carry over to the playoffs? It's a different ball game there, you know, a lot tougher defense, a lot different officiating, you know? Yeah. But the Pacers, hopefully Oladipo is fully healthy by this point, and I think that if he's healthy... And the Pacers have their rotation how they want it set. I just don't see any team like that's no that much has, better than them. There's no one that should should like strike fear in the hearts of Pacers players other right. than the, maybe the Bucks. Right. And if that's the only team, then if you can avoid them, why not make it to the to the the finals? Right. For, no, the conference finals. Right. Conference but finals. yeah. Um, and you know our expectations should be that we get out of the first round. I think that's fair to expect that of this team, and to be disappointed if they don't make it, especially if Vic is healthy. If Vic's right. not healthy, then you know. Throw all that out the window. I mean, if they're in a 4-5 matchup against, like, a Toronto or Miami or a Philadelphia, I think you expect that's going to be a tough series regardless. Yeah. That's why I want to see them, like, two or three. Yeah, So they're sure. playing, like, a Brooklyn without Kyrie or Brooklyn with Kyrie or yeah, Orlando with... or Detroit. Oh, One definitely. of those teams that you're not really worried about. Yeah. But I guess you have to be two for that because I guess... Right now, six would be the top six that are really good. So yeah. you really need a two seed. Really so need. you don't have to worry about the Bucks number one until the final Eastern, yeah. Eastern Conference Finals. You don't have to worry about playing one of these you know top six teams until the second round. Yeah, the, the two or the three seed. If we can get there, we won't see the Bucks until the, the Conference Finals. And if you know, we have to do these predictions as if Vic's going to be healthy. Um, we can't assume that he's not going to be healthy. <laughs> um, like, what's the point of making a prediction assuming he's going to be? 50-50 or whatever. Right. You have to just assume he's healthy. And if he is, and we get, you know, understandably, we're better with him, that would make sense, then I don't see why we should not be able to get out of the first round and compete in the second round, if not win the second round game. That's right. Nice. Yeah, and I, I agree with you. I mean, this Pacers team is loaded. I mean, they're so deep. And right now, I mean, you have a guy like Aaron Holiday coming off the bench playing the way he's been playing recently. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I love it. I, I, I've been saying this for the past couple of weeks. I think he's really an X factor yeah. in a playoff series because he's not afraid of the moment. He no. came in last year for Doug McDermott off the bench, and he actually looked pretty good. Mm-hmm. I know Tyreek Evans was kind of a joke last yeah. year. Everybody hates Tyreek <laughs> Evans, but in the playoffs, like, he was, he, was, he was the only guy that could get to the basket. So, yeah. in all honesty, like, I, I love what we've seen from uh, 
the Pacers bench this year, mm-hmm. the Pacers starting unit. It's, it's a good team, and when Oladipo comes back, we'll get to see just how much better they're going to be. And I think, you know, getting the Eastern Conference Finals is not too much of a stretch. No. But just hope you avoid Philadelphia. I, I know some people want to see that matchup, but I don't I, know if I can handle seven games. It would drive me nuts. And, and we'll get into that with my honorable mentions. Okay. But, yeah, I, I want to see us face them, but I also agree. I, I don't know if I can handle the fans and the players. <laughs> my, my anxiety might go crazy. I mean, did five, you see six, what happened last games. night with uh, yes. Isaiah Thomas? Yes. yes. Yeah. I mean, it's and, I mean, if you watch the Pacers when they played them earlier this year, uh, Sabonis was kind of t- chirping with one of the fans. And yeah. that, Sabonis doesn't ever do that. No, ever. So... <sighs> Philadelphia <laughs> fans are just the most annoying fans. They're, yeah, I mean, they're literally sitting there chanting "Dallas sucks." The 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 freaking Eagles are like six and eight or something yeah. like that. Like the Eagles have a terrible record, and you suck it. <laughs> what do you mean? <laughs> I mean, you're, you're not even you know if, even if you win this week and Dallas wins, you know you haven't eliminated from the playoffs. So yeah, it's one of those things where it's just like, come on, Philadelphia Eagles fans, Philadelphia fans in general, just calm down. I mean, uh, it was pretty funny to see them get Bryce Harper. In the Major League Baseball, they steal him from the Nationals. Yeah. The Nationals let him walk. You know, he signs a 13-year deal, and guess who wins the World Series? Yeah, exactly. The Nationals. It's Perfect. just Perfect. Philadelphia, you're in trouble. And Embiid, obviously, is not happy there with the yeah. way everything's been going. He seems very upset. Don't be surprised if Embiid's not on your team in a couple of years. That, that'd be so fantastic to see Embiid oh. out of Philadelphia. Philadelphia just, oh, we love you, Ben Simmons. Okay. <laughs> ben Simmons. Yeah, we'll let him shoot some threes, and you guys can cheer <laughs> if he hits one every five months. You know what I mean? But. Oof. Uh, you know, Eastern Finals, David. Uh, the last time the Pacers made the Eastern Conference Finals, it was Pacers Heat. 2013. Yeah. Well, 2014, but that 2013-2014 season. So, right. six years. If, you, if you're comparing our team now to this team, what team do you think is better? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> right now, I think you have to go with that 13-14 yeah. season. Almost simply because you have no idea... Uh, what what's gonna what's Vic gonna look like? Yeah, Paul George is definitely the best player out of everybody yeah, on those rosters. Even if Vic is his his former self in terms of like his last year self, Paul George is still I think better than what Vic was last year. And then Hibbert was maybe never better than you know that year or the year before. Yeah, the year before definitely because yeah. that year he was yeah. the one that got played off the well, court against true. the Hawks. So yeah, it was the previous year before that <laughs> he was dominant. Yeah. But but still, I mean, I, I think yes. it's interesting to look because you have an elite rim protector. Like, like Hibbert and yeah, Turner, yeah. I think that a lot of the stuff David West does, Sabonis does. Oh, yeah. Uh, you know, I think you can kind of say Victor is similar to Paul George yeah. in his leadership roles. So, yeah. You know, being the best player, I think Brogdon's a much better version of George Hill. Yes, definitely. They're but, both very similar. Though, yeah, they are similar. Think about though. it. Yes. And then Good defenders, and, going, you know, for guards, but Brogdon's maybe a little bit better. Right, and then T.J. Warren kind of filling that Lance role, and I think... Yeah. Um, less of a head case. Less of a head case. <laughs> TJ Warren is probably a better scorer. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You just, know what I mean? Lance, Lance in Baker's life was fun to watch. Oh, he he, he, he fed off he, the crowd. He could just go off. Right. I, I don't think we'd see Warren. But he can go off. He had 23 against yeah. the Kings. Yeah, he, he can, had 30-something not... against Charlotte. I mean, I think he's one of those guys that if there's so much attention to Sabonis and Brogdon yeah, and Oladipo, if you're putting your worst wing defender on him, I think he can oh, yeah. get you buckets and keep oh, you in sure. the game. Uh, I, don't, I don't know if he's better than Bojan. But I don't know. It's it's it's. I mean, you know what I mean though. Like yeah. just comparing Bojan from last year from last to year. TJ Warren this year, I would probably say I would like to have Bojan 
over TJ this year simply right. because of the fact that having a starter that can shoot that well yeah. from three would be so helpful right now. Yeah, and Bojan was not afraid to let the ball fly no, from three. Ever. Warren's gotten better recently yeah. at shooting threes, but for a while there he wasn't shooting any. Anyone. He's more of a two-point. I, I think Warren would be a perfect bench player for this Pacers team for I, a championship level team. I don't know if, don't know if could handle it. I think it could. I hope it could. I think it could because I think one of the things was playing in Phoenix – just a bad organization. Oh, yeah. He just happened to be on a winning team. Yeah. But I do think, I mean, it, it might affect it somewhat, but I do think, like, if this Pacers team was going to be elite, you know, if there's a way you could find an upgrade at small forward. I'm not saying that I think Warren's a bad player at all. Don't get no. me wrong. I'm just saying, like, I think that's probably their weakest link out of the whole entire starting five. With Vic, yeah. Right, with Vic. I, I think that, but if you put him on the bench... With Jamie yeah. Lamb, yeah, with Aaron Holiday, that, that, <laughs> I mean, that bench would be amazing. that would be a loaded bench. I mean, yeah. who's going to stop those guys? It would be very tough. So, yeah, uh, you can wish all you want. This is a wish list, right? <laughs> wish, wish list. So, but uh, anyway, I, I'm just saying, Eastern Conference Finals. I think obviously the team that we saw that's proven it before is better than the team that's unproven. But yeah. the question all year was: Did the Pacers? The best move the Pacers have made on signing a free agent was it Malcolm Brogdon or was it David West? Where did you lean in that area? Oh, right, right now, I mean, it might be recency bias, but I am all over Malcolm Brogdon. <laughs> oh, man, I'm going to be so happy. Even just the day we signed him, I was like, I knew it was going to be good. It's just a good fit for us. You can right. tell that they weren't really utilizing In Milwaukee, they weren't utilizing him the way that we are now. Um, and that's they didn't really need to because they right. had Giannis. But, like, you've already seen it this year. He just is a leader. He makes other players better. Uh, and even his own stats... He gets his own numbers, and on top of that, makes the other players better, which is just a great combination to have. It is, and the Pacers have lacked a true point guard since Mark Jackson. Yeah. I mean, I think that Jamal Tinsley, Jamal Tinsley had, had enough talent to be that point guard, but um, he was too busy shooting people and <laughs> shooting Lord. guns in the air and being in the yeah. wrong crowd, being suspended. Tinsley, just a head case with yeah. that whole entire... Uh, he had some times where he was really, really good. Oh, yeah, but for sure. I mean, borderline all-star. If but... you watch his highlights, that guy could dribble oh, yeah. the ball. I mean, he was a, oh, he was yeah. a baller. Yeah. But, you know, Brogdon is just phenomenal. David West, though, I think about the culture and what he changed culture-wise. I think David West um, was imperative for that Pacers team. Definitely. But I also think that... Danny Granger was such an attractive piece that brought David West there, similar yeah. to Oladipo. Yeah, being that attractive piece, I think Oladipo was more Danny Granger level than he is Paul George level as far as what he means to this Pacers franchise. Because yeah, you know, like the Pacers traded for Oladipo uh, because of Paul George wanted out, and they were not expecting to be good. Yeah, but he he raised the bar another level, and Definitely. I think Danny Granger did the same thing with that mediocre, crappy team that Jim O'Brien had out there. Yeah, all the white guys with Danny yeah. Granger, you know, like McRoberts, Murphy, <laughs> Hansborough <laughs> Brothers, yeah. Diener, Dunleavy, you know, just <sighs> Rasha Nasterovich. You, you name a white oh, guy in the NBA at that time, the Pacers we had, had him. So yeah. <laughs> Jeff Foster, you know what I mean? Yeah. So I like Foster. Well, we love Foster. We yeah. love Feisty but Foster. That's the one. <laughs> but it, it just goes to show you, like the Pacers were not expected to do great things, and they exceeded expectations with what they had, and I think you know getting players around Oladipo to make this team better is awesome. But anyway, David, let's move on to the number one thing number that we one. want on our wish list. Drum roll, please. <laughs> All right, sorry, that probably was really terrible. Drum roll, but we want a healthy Oladipo. Now, is there a timetable you want him back by? I mean, this is a Christmas wish list, right? 
It is, but like, can we just have him on like the twenty sixth or you know, like... <laughs> the game after? The can we game have after... a game like right after Christmas? Because that's I think we play the Heat on the twenty seventh. There we go. <laughs> so have him back for the Heat game. You know, but seems all, unlikely, but but in all honesty, just a healthy Oladipo. I yes, mean, in general, even, I'm really I'm okay to have Christmas in January if that's what it means <laughs> to have Oladipo back healthy. Definitely, yeah. I mean, it's obvious, like. If you looked at preseason predictions based uh, from like experts, you know right. most people had the Pacers much lower than they are now, or about where they are now, and that was for the whole season. Before and we, don't, and we don't even have Vic yet, right. so most fans are have just been eating up any little bit of news. Every little interview he does for Instagram or the face or the Pacers Twitter is like get, everyone's just like, oh, Victor's getting closer. Or, oh, he's doing this. Or, oh, he's doing that. We're like, we're ready, um, and you know. I am glad that they're not rushing him. I remember the beginning of this of the preseason and in, in, in the off season towards the beginning of the season, people were hoping for December, maybe it'd be early December, and you know it hasn't been that. And I haven't been disappointed because I just don't want them to rush him back. Right. Well, let me ask you this because when Paul George broke his leg, yeah. he came back to the end of that season. Obviously, he got injured in August, I believe it was. So obviously, it was early, yeah, yeah. So I think it was early August. Try to come back by uh, March. And I know when he returned, I mean, people were so excited to see Paul George back on the court, but it took him a while, and then he ended up getting re-injured in the last yeah. game of the season. The Pacers missed the playoffs that year. Mm-hmm. But let me just ask you this, because Paul George has had some very uh, choice words to say about the Pacers <laughs> and the organization, and pretty much Larry Bird without calling him out directly, but indirectly saying Larry Bird, we're not stupid, Paul. You seems obvious, yeah. Yeah, you know, whatever. But do you think that... Oladipo and the Pacers, well, not Oladipo necessarily, but the Pacers front office is really trying to make sure that they don't rush Oladipo back because they want to keep that trust with him. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think that they've proven they're smart. They've proven right. they know basketball and know how the culture works, and they know we have a good thing in terms of the locker room and the environment and the culture that this, these players have. Their chemistry, like, uh, and I don't, they don't want to mess that up. Um, and I think they're smart enough to realize that you know what, this team is successful. That you know, yes, sure, we're sitting here saying we want a higher seed, but I think that if you're Pritchard and you see this team and how successful they are right now, and you know that you can just do whatever you can do to help give Vic all the time he needs, and then if he comes back and it's as good as he was last year, I don't think that they're worried about a playoff seed other than to avoid the Bucks. Right. No, and that's a fair point. I think that if you uh, look at the way Pritchard has built this team, you can tell that Pritchard is. Very smart in his evaluation of yeah. players. I mean, going out and getting Jeremy Lamb for the deal they yeah, got him at. Such an like, underrated move. And the thing is, Jeremy Lamb's been kind of hurt this year. He's been the fifth man on the starting lineup. I mean, yeah. uh, I mean, we've said Turner has been the fifth man. I think they've kind of been taking turns on who's the last yeah. option offensively for the Pacers. But, I mean, Jeremy Lamb, for a while there, had a streak going where he was putting double digits up every single night. Get it for $10 million to be yeah, your sixth steal. man. You it's know what I mean? When he's uh, healthy, it's a steal. Same, same with T.J. Warren. Oh yeah, uh, going out and getting him for a thirty. Not even they didn't even they literally got a pick to take him yeah, on, like, and they gave please them cash. take him from us. Yeah, and, and, you know what I mean. Like, uh, you know, got the got TJ Warren for cash. Shuns trash hashtag maybe, but uh, you know what I mean. But it's one of those things where it's like uh, I just think if you look at the way Kevin Pritchard has built this team compared to how Larry Bird built his teams, you can say that Kevin Pritchard has done a better job. Yeah. Overall, now the only thing I have against Kevin Pritchard was the drafting of T.J. Leaf. Yeah, but that was right around the same time Paul George requested the trade. 
I'm just going to give Kevin Pritchard a break here and say that his mind was not completely there because yeah, maybe John Collins sitting on the board, oh, OG no. and an OB on OG, the board. OG is the big one. I mean, but I think John Collins is better. Oh, than OG. yeah, he is. But I mean, like, it's just an, an obvious like hometown kind of guy. I mean, obviously he's not from Indiana, but you know what I mean. He played for IU. Played for IU. It should be a kind of like a. It would have made Easy more way sense. to make the fans happy, especially if you don't think that your team is going to be great. We're losing Paul George. You think, how can I make the fans super happy? Bring in an IU guy. Yeah, I mean, for all you Purdue fans that hate IU, same with Notre Dame, whatever, <laughs> IU fans are probably the biggest in the state. Yeah. There's no doubt about it. You saw it yesterday at the Crossroads Classic. There's yeah. more IU fans than any other fan in that building. Yeah. So it just it resonates more with the hometown here. Indiana fans and now Purdue fans have to love Oladipo because yeah. of the Pacers. Yeah, so, so at the end of the day, in the words of Kevin Pritchard, because he always says that on every interview, at the end of the day, but um, <laughs> at the end of the day. you know, um, this Pacers team is going to be as good as Victor Oladipo leads them. Yeah, we've seen their limitations without him this year, especially in close games. You can look at a couple games against the. Um, the Pistons that they lost, they should have won those. Yeah. The Hornets game they lost, yeah, that was a, that was the worst game of the season to me yeah, personally. It was terrible. Um, and then the other game that they lost was against Philadelphia, not being able to get the ball in bounds, yeah. just silly things like that. And I think that Oladipo is so good that he can make those. You know, I mean, just having him in the game will probably keep you out of those situations for the majority of the time. Definitely. But if you are ever in those situations. He's proven to you over and over oh, yeah. and over and over and over again that he can hit big shots. Yeah. He don't have any fear. Like, he, no. he's not afraid of the moment like Paul George. So, yeah. <laughs> shots fired, PG, come at me. But, yeah. Uh, he's definitely, he's I mean. definitely listening. Right, right. Paul George <laughs> is always listening to Indiana stuff because he wants to just roll on his pettiness. But, <laughs> anyway, uh, <laughs> I just want Oladipo healthy. I want to see yeah. him back on the court. And I just want to quit hearing about when is he coming back. It's the most annoying narrative that there is out right now. Yeah. Fans, don't worry about it. Like, my, my only concern with him coming back soon is that the sooner that he comes back, the sooner we can figure out this new chemistry. Right. But that really is secondary to him being long-term healthy. No, it is. And I, and I think one of the things, too, like, do you think they'll bring him back against a really good team or a team that's not so talented? Kind of like go more of the easy route. If they have a choice, then I don't know why they uh, wouldn't just go ahead and go an easier route, go a low-stakes game, a game that they could win even if he doesn't play anywhere near his full minutes. That makes sense. Um, but honestly, they may not, at this point, they're probably not even really thinking about that. They're probably just thinking about you know as soon as he's 110% ready, which you know that's kind of their main concern, I would say, is just they don't want to have a situation where he – can re-aggravate that injury because it was not a good injury. It was a bad injury. Yeah. Um, and they don't want a situation where he prolongs things by getting hurt again. Yeah, so I'm looking at the month of January to see what home games the Pacers have. So January 2nd, they got the Nuggets. I don't think he'll be ready by then. I think Probably it'll be not. more mid-January. So if you go down uh, the 8th of January, they play the Heat at home. That's yeah. a game he could come back. Um, I, I, I'm just looking at home games when he could return. They play the Bulls. In mid to late January, I think. We played about the very end. The end of the month. January 29th. 29th. I could see that being his first home game back. But before that, they have a five-game road trip. I think it is, yeah, five games there at the Nuggets, at the Jazz, at the Suns, Warriors, and Trailblazers. I mean, he could come back on the road. Yeah, But he's not been traveling on the road, too. So that's kind of one of the things I'll be interested to see. But there's also a game Friday the 17th at home against the Timberwolves. That'd be a good one. And I think that that would be a game that you could ease him back into it 
I mean, yeah. their starting shooting guard is um, um, Jared, Jared Culver, yes, oh, Jared Culver, Culver yeah. from uh, Texas Tech. So, yeah. you know, a rookie, someone that you can not worry too much about, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. I, I just think that that makes more sense, bringing him back in, in that scenario. And then if you want to play him every other night while he's on the road trip, maybe play two games on the road trip out of the five. Yeah. And, and just kind of let him get his chemistry back with the team. And then once he comes back on the 29th, like you said, against yeah. the Bulls, just have him in the rotation there on out. Normally, yeah. It just makes the most sense to me because, I mean, that's a tough schedule in January. I mean, you got a lot of road games and a lot of good teams at home. So, Definitely. You know, that's that's a, a proven month. And almost like I kind of would, <laughs> wouldn't, be, wouldn't be mad if you wait until February to come back because yeah. you've got three games in a row at home when they come home for the Bulls. So you'd have Bulls, Knicks, and Mavericks. Yeah, so that, if that Bulls game is the first one, you'd have three or four right there where you could just, you know, settle in and, you know, have a minutes restriction and it wouldn't be a detriment to the team win-loss-wise uh, because they probably could still beat the Bulls with Vic playing 10 minutes, you know. Right. And then I think the only road game you have there is at the Raptors. Then you come home. For another four-game, uh, yeah, it looks like they have four more games in a row at home. Oh, awesome. Raptors, Pelicans, Nets, Bucks, and then they're on the All-Star break. So perfect. that stretch yeah. of games right there to me would be perfect for them to come back. I think that's seven exactly. of eight at home. Yeah. And the only one is uh, on the road against Toronto. That would be a perfect time for him to come back, and you don't have to worry about you know missing games and not being with the team. It just yeah. end of January makes perfect sense to me after they come home from that road trip. I wouldn't want to rush it. I just think looking at it right there, David, it just makes more the most sense to me. Yeah. January 29th should be let's a return it. date. Yeah. Let's, let's mark it. Actually, hopefully my uh, my stepfather's not listening to this podcast, so I have tickets for that Bulls game. So, like, yeah, I have a vested interest in him coming back that game. <laughs> <laughs> well, and if he does come back to the game, I am still yeah. doing my free giveaway. There you go. On Twitter. So, whatever game he does return home for, his first home game, I'm going to buy tickets for two people. Awesome. Uh, so one, so basically, one fan will get two tickets. Nice, because I, I want to make sure that fans get to experience Oladipo's return because it's going to be something that you will never forget. I mean, it's going to be a big game. I was at the game when Lance Stevenson returned. That's awesome. Uh, against the Raptors yeah. back home, we had won. I think we had lost the night before. We had to win like five in a row or something like stupid like that. Yeah, and Lance just. P.J. Tucker, oh, Corey yeah. Joseph, Demar Rose, and they're all in his face. You know what I'm talking about. It was Love just it. one of the most insane environments, and I and everybody got mad at me for saying this, but fans were more excited for Lance's return than they were for Paul George's return from injury. I mean, yeah, as far as the the atmosphere in that crowd, it, it, I don't, I I wasn't personally. I, right. I I loved Lance, but Paul George is just the more important player to the team. It's right, undeniable. But the, the fans were hyped for that game. Yeah, right, and it, it's like you had to win out. I mean, that's what yeah, you had yeah. to do. Because it was a very important spot. In the I season. think Miami was competing for that final spot as well. And there was another team in there as well. I think there was like three teams competing for that last uh, spot. two spots. And yeah. if we would have lost one of those games, the two teams that were competing with us would have Jumped ended us. up beating us in the standings, and we would have missed and got the ninth seed. Yeah, and well, you knew Paul was going into free agency, so you really wanted him to make the playoffs, especially yeah. trading George Hill for Jeff T, that whole entire fiasco oh, of gosh. a year. And even though they won 44 games, yeah. it was a tough year. Everyone always talks. crazy hard. Everyone talks about how the East is always so like terrible. But, I mean, a seventh seed got 44 wins. It's pretty good. Yeah, but it is. Anyway, David, uh, that's our top five, so top five. you want to run down the five real quick just to recap what we did. All right, so number five is our win total being 53-52 wins in our first round in the playoff home court advantage. Number four was that the Sabonis and Miles Turner pairing continues to thrive and succeed. Number three was having two All-Stars, 
Malcolm Brogdon and, and Sabonis. Two is making the Eastern Conference Finals. And number one is that Victor Oladipo comes back and is 100% healthy. Awesome. So we both had some that were honorable mentions. Yeah. Uh, we'll just go back and forth, so give sure. me one of yours. We'll start off with the one that is uh, uh, a little less... Will get me a little bit less riled up. Because the other one gets me a little riled up. The first one is that team chemistry, when Vic comes back, is okay. Mm-hmm. We had a rough start with chemistry. It's working out really well right now, and it has for a while. Um, for maybe like 20, 25 games even. But Vic's going to come back in. Who loses minutes? Um, and how does that change the chemistry? Uh, right. Just looking at the roster and who gets minutes, like I don't want McConnell to lose time. I don't want Aaron Holiday to lose time. I don't want Lamb to, you know, someone has to. <laughs> yeah, I mean, right now I think we talked about it last episode. Yeah, you, did, you guys did, and I was like, I don't I don't know who I... Who I said McDermott just because I feel like it makes the most sense it to put Lamb sense. at the three because of the way Aaron Holiday and McCollum yeah. are playing together. And then, it makes sense, but then right after you guys aired that episode, I, I, I you know, loved, I, I was like mostly agreeing with you guys on all of that, and then that game he has like four threes. I was right. like, you know. He's so important to the team. <laughs> so is Justin Holiday because he's yeah, playing Justin back up Holiday. four. I, it's just one of those things that's tough. It's going to be between almost, McConnell and probably Justin would be my guess. Because they were he, already on the outside oh, of the rotation really? looking in when the season started. They were yeah. both considered like the 11th men because yeah. it's like with what with what he was doing, McMillan was doing, he was playing uh, Holiday, Aaron Holiday, yeah. Sumner. Yeah. And then he had um, McDermott, TJ Leaf, and then he had Goga. I mean, yeah. not first, but he he, not really a lot. But, I mean, that was kind of what people were expecting. Yeah. And then you're like, oh, Justin Holiday and McConnell were kind of like 11th and 12th men. Like, they had to prove their minutes. Well, Aaron just played so bad at the beginning. He yes. threw McConnell in there instead. And then he was like, okay, TJ Leaf is uh, TJ Leaf. So, we so, put Justin well, Holiday <laughs> in. I mean, Justin Holiday is like six foot six playing power four right now. So Yeah. And McDermott's, McDermott's bigger than him, and he's still playing a small yeah, forward. Small it just, forward. It's just funny to me that Justin's having to guard – Bigger players, but I mean, even on He's Friday night, job, he had a though. huge block. Yeah, I forget it. I forget who it was against. I think it might have been uh, Marvin Bagley or Harrison Barnes, one of those two down in the yeah, post. Yeah, but he had a really nice block on him. Just yeah. stay with him in the post. You can't take Holiday out of the rotation either of them. Yeah. It's got to be between the white boys, McConnell yeah, and McDermott, sure. in my opinion. But I, I think it, so. And both of them do different things that are very important. But you know, maybe maybe they could decrease both their minutes a little bit. Right. But, uh, you know, it's just it's going to be tough, and it could also be matchup dependent, which That's, I would like to see a matchup dependent thing. Right. Where you know, if Holiday is uh, Justin Holiday, sorry, I can't say Holiday. There's two of them. Right. Justin Trust Holiday, me, it's hard. We've been doing yeah. this for the past couple months, and every time I have to catch with you I'm can't like, say TJ Holiday, comma Justin Holiday, comma Aaron. You, you know? can't say Justin Holiday, and you can't say TJ TJ because there's yeah. you know. But you know, I think that if there's a matchup where TJ McConnell is outmanned or if Justin Holiday is too too small to play the four, then maybe you you know change up who's getting minutes. But right. that's probably be my preferred way of looking at it. But either way, any kind of shakeup is going to potentially change the chemistry. Right. And so I just I want that to be smooth as possible. As, as seamless as possible. Yeah. I, I completely agree with you. And uh, I guess my first honorable mention, I mentioned I wanted to see the Pacers shoot more threes. Yeah. But I was thinking about this today when we were talking about this yesterday. I was like, yeah, I didn't say it specifically, but, like, if, if Domas Sabonis could develop a three-point shot. Oh, my goodness. He <laughs> might be the most unstoppable big man on offense in yeah. the entire NBA. Just That's a little bit over the and, top. Yeah, but, I mean, we're, but, Pacer, we're Pacer fans. <laughs> right. As, but for a Pacer fan, if he can shoot yeah. the three consistently at, like, 30-some percent, yeah. you know, just the ability just to stretch the floor where he has to be respected out there. 
You know, that way he doesn't always have to be the one in the pick and roll. Yeah. But I love how great he is on dribble handoffs and stuff like that. Because passing, I mean, we saw that beautiful pass he had to Warren that was just replay on replay oh, on replay. So, good. so, so good. beautiful. He's a tenacious rebounder. He's got yeah. footwork that helps him in the post. Just another element to his game. Like, Miles Turner, <laughs> I'm not going to ask for a post game because it's never going to happen. No. That's not he a wish list. He isn't that kind of player. It's, it's never going to happen with him. Yeah, he I, just doesn't have enough junk in the trunk. No, he doesn't like to bang in the post. And that's to me like, this is a, a little off topic, but this is why we're, you know, talking about Miles and Sabonis is like, Sabonis is that kind of player. Mm-hmm. Miles is just not. And I think that fans expected him to be that kind of player because he's a good shot blocker and because right. he's so big. Yeah. He's not. He's not going to be a Embiid-type player. He's not at all. Well, I mean, <laughs> I tweeted this out, but it was cracking me up. Like, Turner, you think he's a big guy because he's 6'11". Like you just mentioned, he's a center. He blocks shots. He was going up against uh, Bielitsa from <laughs> the Kings. Okay, Bielitsa is not a big yeah. guy. No. But Bielitsa looked like the Pillsbury Doughboy compared to Miles Turner, how <laughs> thick he was. And I'm just like, why are his arms like twice the size of Miles? Like, yeah. it just makes no sense to me. Miles is just not ripped. Yeah. He's just, he's trim. He's lean. He's lean, and he's athletic. That's yeah. kind of what he is. He's not some, like, like Sabonis is what you would call a bruiser, you know? Yeah. And Bede is what you would call a unicorn. I don't think Miles no. is a unicorn at all. No, 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 no. I do think that he's an elite rim protector who has a good offensive game. And that's a good basketball player. That's a top 10 center in the NBA. Yeah. But you know what I mean? It's just, it's funny because they're two different players and I would just love to see Sabonis evolve that three point shot because if he hits them, I mean, that's a bonus for the Pacers. No pun intended, Uh but uh, it it is beautiful to see him just continue to grow. I mean, a lot of people say, Oh, I don't want to think Sabonis is changing much on his game. I said, well, have you really watched? Because he's using his right hand a little bit more than yeah. he used to. It always used to be his left. Now he almost uses his right just to show off. And I love <laughs> the little footwork move he's done underneath the basket where he kind of pump fakes and then takes a step underneath the basket, okay, almost like a Euro move. step yeah. underneath the basket. It's kind of weird, but it's it's a beautiful thing that he does. And so that, for me, is my first honorable mention. So right. I'll let you get your fiery number two on. All right. We kind of hinted at it a little bit earlier. I, I hate the 76ers. It's, it's it's almost irrational because there really isn't a rivalry there. Um, like you know, if you're a, if you're a big Pacer fan, you probably hate LeBron or at least hate like the teams that he's playing. Because you, you know, his whole career more or less he's been in, his whole career has been in the in the Eastern Conference for the most part. Right. And he's in, been in our division for most of that too. Whereas Sixers not in our division, we haven't had any massive uh, like playoff series yet. But man, I don't like them. No. And I don't like Embiid. And it's not even just this year. It was last year. And I don't know what it was. Something about him got under my skin because he has this attitude that he is, like, the king. this anointed one from on high that, like, deserves all of our praise and glory. Well, he is against the Pacers. <laughs> Fair. <laughs> but, but he, like, acts like he is MVP type player. And he might be at some point in time in his career. I don't know. But he was talking the big game last year. And I was just like, you're, you're not there yet. Like, yeah. Wait and get there and then talk. You know, you know, once you've proven it, whatever. And so it's a pair of Embiid and his attitude and his cockiness with the Sixers fans. Like, oh, oh my lord! There was the a fan fans on, make it worse for everybody. Oh, there's a fan on Twitter, and I like almost thought to like just save his Twitter handle to wait until we beat them and just like 
mention him. I was like, that's too petty, David. Don't do that. No, that's great, David. Do that. <laughs> what are you waiting on? <laughs> well, the thing is, is like I can assume based off of Pacers Twitter that someone else has done it for me. Yeah. And someone else will bring him back up. Oh, I'm sure uh, Aris has done it. And I'll pile on. I'll, I'll pile on. But I, like, I was like, this is too petty. I, I'm not going to save that. But it's just a matter of I, I want to, number one, have a better record than them to say, like, look at us. Like, we didn't have our best player for at least a third of the season, maybe more. We'll see how long it takes. And we had a better record than you. And then if we could just beat him in a playoff series, oh, it would be juicy. I, yeah. uh, I, I wrote a test. I teach. I'm a teacher, seventh grade, English. I wrote, right. a, I wrote a test. And I wrote it was, it was a vocabulary. And I wrote this whole story. And the, the kids had to fill in the blank with vocab words. The story was the Pacers winning the final, winning the NBA championship against the Lakers this year, and I like, I quickly mentioned us beating the Sixers in like four games, just because I hated them. <laughs> like that's my level of hate. <laughs> well, I agree with you. Embiid is kind of annoying because of just, well, number one, I feel like the officiating against yep. him makes it even more unbearable to watch. Because it's like it's, how it was with Shaq to some extent. It, it is. It's like you can't put anybody on him because all you do is get foul calls and. He could be the one that initiates the contact with throwing an elbow or yeah. lowering a shoulder or flopping when he doesn't get touched. Oh, yeah. I mean, he he does all that stuff. And I think there was a reason. Uh, I'm, I'm sure you heard about this. Shaquille O'Neal and Charles Barkley kind of went after him yeah. on TNT, yeah. basically saying, like, hey, man, if you want to be the best big man in the league, you got to bring it every night. You can't yeah. just bring it every three or four games. You know, this has to be an every night type thing. And I haven't really paid attention much to that. But after they called him out the next game, he had a monster game. Yeah, I, I forget who it was against. It might have been the Celtics. I'm not sure, but huge game. And like Charles and and Shaq were like, "Yeah, man, that's what we want to see from you every, every night. Game. If you yeah. want to be that dominant, if you want to be the best player in the league, like I even picked NB last year to be the MVP because I feel like when he is a when he's out there, he is so hard to stop. Talent wise, he's got it right, undeniably. And, and the thing with him is like he falls in love a little bit too much with that three point shot. Way which too, is great, way, way the, too much. Which is great for the Pacers because okay. if he's down low, I mean, the Pacers he's, don't have enough bigs to keep up with them. I mean, no. your your two starting big men are going to get in foul trouble, and then you're going to throw Goga at him. No, I think the Pacers no, need yeah. to do a better job of double teaming him. Make the Sixers beat you from the three point line because they don't have great three point shooters. I'll live with Al Horford, Josh Richardson, and Ben Simmons shooting threes instead of letting Embiid get the ball one on one. Five feet from the basket, but yeah. you know, David, you mentioned how much you hate Embiid. I, I will. <laughs> I hate Embiid. I still voted for him, or not voted, but I picked him to be my yeah. MVP of the season, just because I thought, oh, he's a dominant player. If he I progresses, thought this, I thought they were just going to continue to get better. But seeing the Raptors beat them in seven games and seeing him oh. crying as he left—that was like was beautiful, the most beautiful picture. <laughs> like not even the shot, but just him crying after yeah. was like my favorite part of the whole entire playoffs last That's year. Great. Yeah. So uh, anyway. Uh, I'm with you, though. I, I don't know if my anxiety level could handle a series <laughs> uh, against so Philadelphia. I would literally have to just, like, I don't, I don't know how to control myself. Just pump Tums, man. <laughs> just eat a bunch of Tums. I would have to because I might just, like, want to, like, I, there's a, a video going around about, a, I think there's a Japanese TV where you can, like, kick it and it won't break. I literally might need to go <laughs> need buy to that buy be- because I'd be punching the TV and kicking it because I'm so mad at how everything's going down because I feel like the Pacers would get hosed a lot yeah. on foul calls on that series. But that's going to be the Pacers really against any yeah. big market team. People can say, oh, it's stupid, the big market, small market stuff. But yeah. it's a real thing. It, it, there's a reason the Pacers have been probably the most – if not, I think they're the most successful Eastern Conference team since the 2000s uh, as far as making playoff appearances. Yeah. 
and they have not played Christmas Day once. I mean, I'm yeah. just telling you, it's just part of it. Even though yeah. they had that Eastern Conference Finals team two years in a row, Paul George, David West, a lot of good players, all star players, Roy Hibbert in his in his prime, his prime. couldn't even make a Christmas Day game. Yeah. Okay, you know what I mean. So it's yeah, like crazy. the disrespect from the media and the the NBA for the Pacers and what they are as a franchise. It's always been that way. It's always been that way, and nobody can tell me different. But <laughs> anyway, for my uh, second and final honorable mention, um, I'm trying to think what it was. I can't remember. Do you remember what I wrote? Goga. Oh, yes. That's what it was. Sorry, I was having a brain fart there talking about <laughs> Embiid. So I understand that Goga is not ready right now. Yeah. And he, he's proven it when he's been out there. He always seems a little bit of a step behind and all this stuff. I just think that letting him develop in the G League for a little bit, whether it's the rest of the year or whatever they have to do. I mean, they can play TG Leaf at center if they really need to. I think that you're not going to see much of a drop-off between Goga and TJ Leaf uh, right now. No, because, not, not significantly. Right. I mean, Goga can block shots and he can shoot the three better. Yeah. But I think TJ Leaf does a better job of getting himself in position defensively down low. Yeah. And, and I'm not saying anything against Goga. I just don't think he's ready, and I don't think he's been given enough reps to no. really, you know, feel like you can trust him out there. But I think getting him more, you know, touches and reps in the G League would be beneficial for his development as a player. And I think that that's why we saw him go down there and just get a yeah. a, a game in a couple weeks ago. They need to do that more often. I, I think if he's not going to be in the rotation, the only way he's going to get better is not by being around these guys. That helps. But I think also getting repetition and um, being with the Mad Ants is, is a good good thing for him. I mean, look what it did for Sumner. Yeah, it was great. And I don't know all the ins and outs of how um, many times you can promote and demote players or how long it has to be, if it has to be like one day or it has to be like I don't think it really or, matters. If there aren't any rules to it, I don't see why you don't uh, look at his like, look at our schedule in any game where you're like, well, we don't really need a, a big man like Goga. We have Miles and Simonis, and we can play smaller big guys, like, right. you know, play, play small ball and not have Goga play very many. You know, in some game, if he's playing five minutes or less... Just have him go to the to the G League and you know play with the Madians for. He's gonna get thirty plus minutes with the Madians. They don't have yeah. anybody to play center and out he, there. He played him. He played. He had an incredible game. Like, right. Filling the stat sheets like, like why not let him play a game here and there when you know he's not gonna play minutes because of the ma- because of the matchup. Well, and it just I think it keeps him fresh too because if you're just constantly riding the bench, you know. Mentally, that can probably be a little bit fatiguing. Yeah. You know, me and you played basketball together in high school. We yeah. went to a very, very, very small school. <laughs> very, very. So we're not really <laughs> saying that we were on some, like, you know, team that really mattered. But when when you're not playing in the game and you're riding the bench, even though you're working hard at practice and yeah. you know the plays and you know the drills and everything that you're supposed to do, getting out there for the first time after sitting on the bench for a couple of weeks it's really tough. It's different, yeah. And, and you're just not comfortable out there because you don't know where you're supposed to be at. But I do know that Fort Wayne runs a lot of the similar offensive sets that McMillan does because it's kind of how they've orchestrated everything to work. And I think that just continuing to allow him to develop in the G League, call him back up when they're at home, whatever you want yeah, to do. definitely. But if you're going on a five, I mean, maybe not the five-game road trip, but if you're going on a quick Smaller road trip, trip, send him and Sumner or send him yeah. and Alizé down there to play with yeah, the G definitely. League. Yeah, definitely. Let them develop and then bring them back up with the team on the home games. I, I mean, I, there's nothing wrong with that. No, I don't think so either. Do you have any more honorable mentions? That's it. All right. Well, we went about an hour, so Ooh. we hope you guys enjoyed this podcast. My screen is going black because we've left it alone and not touched it. But 
Um, anyway, guys, you guys can follow David on Twitter at what's your Twitter handle? David Anthony twenty four seven. That's right, because he's on Twitter twenty four seven. Yeah, you don't really write a lot though. No. I I really just like check it, you know. Yeah. I just like look at it, and every once in a while, something like me worked up enough, and I will post something. But he's more of a retweeter, liker, retweet and liker. That's me. Yep, <laughs> and I am more of a, a tweeter nonstop, and <laughs> I'll like some stuff. I'm not the biggest liker, re, uh, liker and retweeter, but I like to engage and I like to yeah. hear your thoughts on things. But uh, let us know what you guys think of today's podcast. You can check it out on Spotify, iTunes, PacersTalk.net. We have an available link there as well. Google Podcasts, YouTube, all where you can find podcasts where you can hear Setting the Pace. And you can follow us on Twitter at Setting the Pace 3 and on Instagram at Pacers Talk. And until next time, we'll talk to you later. Peace out, Pacers Nation. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.